Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? This is Gaskly Samus from GearWorks.com and the E2K2 Network podcasting channel on YouTube, as well as the Rounding Off Trinity Gaming channel on YouTube and the For Love of Game page on Facebook. Welcome once again to our friendly campfire here on another episode of What's Your Issue? This is episode number 11. And in case you didn't know, this is a spoilery type comic book review show. We will be talking about everything that there is in the books. We will be leaving little to nothing out unless it is at our own discretion. And so if you haven't read the issues of the comics we are about to talk about, please stop the podcast. Go read those. It's Monday night. What are you doing? You're supposed to be done. New comic book day is Wednesday. That's why we were recording. It was a heavy week. week. It was a a heavy week. And you know what? You know what? You know what the bad thing is? That's not the bad thing. The bad thing is next week is even worse. Yeah, and that's it's going to Christmas. Yeah. Like 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 the the list of comics Marvel is publishing next week is entirely ridiculous. That is the voice of my co-host. Ever since Disney has Giving them big um, money making from the movies, they just make more comic books now. <laughs> right, right. That is the voice of my stalwart co host, Mr. Stephen Laura. How are you doing, Stephen? Hi, I'm doing good. <laughs> good, good. So, if you're not familiar with the format of our show, we get together every week and we on air in a live show review roughly about six comic books from DC Marvel, our other various artists. Then we talk about the best reads that we read the preceding week. Our honorable mentions, which are any comics that we would have normally rated an 8.0 or above. And then we also tell you the vast majority of what we're pulling next week so that you have some sense of what you can expect on the podcast. First of all, as far as episode number 10 last week, I want to apologize. There was an audio quality problem if you pulled the podcast from SoundCloud or Pocket Cast. The problem is, is that I, I set up one workstation each month to be my podcasting and hardware reviews uh, workstation. I am also currently doing a weekly tech talk for a group of game streamers um, that I'm a member of on Facebook. This workstation has two microphones set up. And uh, before we recorded What's Your Issue, last week I forgot that I had actually flipped the feed from my headset mic to the on-camera mic. And so when I thought I was muting my mic to take care of my congestion uh, or the cold that I was suffering from uh, or coughing, I was actually not muting the mic that was actually recording in OBS. So if you listened to the episode on YouTube, you didn't hear all that. If you pulled down the audio version, you heard a bunch of stuff that made it sound like we didn't know what we were doing as far as the podcast goes. And, and, And to a certain extent, that is accurate because I clearly didn't know which microphone was actually feeding my OBS recording. So we do not have this problem that problem this week, even though I just recorded that same weekly tech talk again right before the show. I actually did verify in OBS that I switched the microphone feeds uh, from the uh, Zoom Q8 condenser microphones to the Razer headset that I'm wearing. So we shouldn't have a problem. First book in the rundown, Batman Annual number three. Now, what I said on Twitter about this comic is my big, big, big concern is that in the rush to gush by the comic book media and fans to voluminously talk about the Batman who laughs number one, which we are also going to talk about on this episode, that people would ignore Batman annual number three. And as far as I was concerned, I actually felt Batman annual number three was the better of the two comic books. Um, between uh, Batman Annual and the Batman Who Laughs number one. 
Both were good. I had a preference for Batman Annual number three. Now, there's a little bit of shtick caught up in that, right? Batman Annual number three is actually a Father's Day issue that was clearly uh, written by Tom Taylor and, and, and drawn by Otto Schmidt. Uh, some time ago, but through some mix-up in scheduling, didn't get published when it was originally intended to. They released it in the holiday season because that's what you do if you're a publisher. If you have issues sitting around, you just get rid of all of them, which is why DC and Marvel appear to be publishing like 500 books apiece uh, last week and this week. Um, but uh, my only assumption is that through some problem with scheduling, a book didn't get put out uh, when it was originally scheduled. Um what we have in this issue is uh, I actually have uh, notes on this if I can get to them. Um, it's it's very much an issue that is about uh, Bruce Wayne and his relationship with Alfred. Um, actually, I don't have uh, notes on this. So um, at the beginning of this issue, now my big concern is that I'm going to get things uh, mixed up between this and the Batman who lasts number one. Um, you know, we, the issue opens up with uh, Alfred um, getting a phone call in bed and, and, uh, and actually it's the call. It's the night that uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne were actually murdered. Uh, Alfred runs down to get Bruce. Um, key thing in this book is there are some wonderful scenes where there's these singular pivotal uh, statements or lines that are given. And the one here in this opening scene is that uh, the cop tells Alfred that they need him to come down to the police station to identify the bodies. And Alfred says, no, he says, anybody in Gotham can identify the Waynes. They're one of the most prominent families in Gotham city. There's nobody else here to take care of Bruce Wayne, but me. So I'm going to go do that and you can get somebody else to, uh, identify the bodies. I thought it was such a wonderful uh, line. Uh, one of the key things that we see uh, in this issue that I think are great uh, or is great is um, Alfred, uh, even back in that time, sleeps partially clothed. So he is always ready to go with at least his pants on. Um, that's a horrible way to sleep. And I have to imagine he doesn't get much REM sleep uh, doing that. Um, but uh, he is always ready to leap out of bed and swing into action. Um, the, the story of this that's in present day is about Batman going after what might just be another throwaway Gotham villain uh, named the drone who has taken control of these three military drones that were stolen um, and is now has now turned on his original uh, contractors who hired him um, and is actually out to destroy uh, anybody associated with the uh with the manufacture of these drones um whether you are innocent or guilty uh there's a lot of dialogue here uh between batman uh and alfred alfred um concerned about his health because batman is suffering from the flu right now uh alfred makes him a uh a, um, a thermos of soup that can be attached to the control stick of the Batwing, <laughs> and and, uh, and can be drank uh, without like any potential uh, chance of spillage. Um, so, in, in the course of the comic, uh, Batman actually uh, winds up uh, landing the Batwing and winds up uh, being confronted by this villain named the Drone, uh, who actually scores a stab on him, which seems highly unusual because I don't think the Drone is particularly adept at. Uh, Hand-to-hand -hand combat, it looks like somehow he got the drop on Batman and just happened to nick a very important artery. Um, 
in the course of going after him, Alfred encounters uh, a couple of young toughs who have come upon Batman and are going to try and steal from him. Uh, Alfred, after uh, losing the first exchange, um, comes back very quickly and applies his old, uh, I think, SAS training is what he had from when he was in uh, British Special Operations and uh, soundly wallops them. Uh, he then speeds Batman to... Um, I don't know who this is, Lena or Leanna Tompkins or Thompson, uh, which seems like like a night nurse uh, in Gotham. Um, and uh, and again, interesting twist here. Uh, while Bruce is the one who has been stabbed and is bleeding out, Alfred is also uh, on the verge of exhaustion. And so she treats him as well. Uh, the, the most revealing statement in this segment, uh, and then it goes on and um Alfred Batman actually puts Alfred in bed and lets him sleep for 48 hours. Uh, and then uh, mentions that he's sending out Duke and Cassandra on patrol and he's not going to patrol tonight. Um, because in the course of this exchange between Bruce and the doctor, once Bruce has been healed up, the, the doctor explains to him, you know, when you're out there, Alfred can't sleep. So it's like when you're out there, the both of you are out there. Um, and, uh, one of the most interesting things that comes out of this exchange, and I don't think I've heard it before, which is why maybe I rated this book so high because it's so rare that you get anything like completely original in comics that hasn't been said before or done before. Um, the, the, the doctor in uh, her, her name escaping me is just, uh, Leslie Tompkins. Leslie Tompkins. Okay. Um, mentions to Bruce or, or, or infers that most of us, I think, come up thinking that Batman is the way he is because of the murder of his parents, his personality makeup and the way he is so austere and doesn't allow anybody to tell him what to do. And he's always calling the shots and, and, and always, you know, when, when people say he's angry over something like the death of Tim Drake or the death of Jason Todd or anything like that, he just kind of shrugs it off and, and works harder. And people keep telling him, you know, you, you need time to heal, blah, blah, blah. The doctor actually attributes that to Alfred. And and when I think about it and I think about the scenes that they wrote, I'm like, no, right. Bruce is the way he is because he grew up in the shadow and what he was exposed to and learned from and witnessed was how Alfred shut down in the wake of the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne in order to, to not focus on his loss of them, but to try and be there for Bruce. And, and so, and so really the way Bruce is now is very much the way Alfred was throughout Bruce's childhood. Now, now that Bruce is the one who's back out in danger, I think Alfred maybe has backed off a little bit. And some of the exchanges in this comic, I just love the wonderful kind of witty banter between the two of them. Um, but, but when you see like flashback scenes of Alfred, what you see is Alfred so sad um, and, uh, but also maintaining that stiff upper lip. And I was like, wow, that's such a shocking revelation to me that that Bruce Wayne today is the Alfred of yesterday, not, you know, not always, not entirely because of what happened to Martha and Thomas Wayne. Uh, the art in this is really good. Um, it stands out particularly in a week that uh, now Otto Schmidt, I think, I think he did. I don't. Was he the artist? Was he the main artist on Batman before the Snyder Capullo run? 
Um, or maybe he, or maybe he did it after before Tom King came on. Um, I've seen his work before on Batman for a lengthy period of time. Uh, and he may have also done Batman eternal, uh, for a while. I'm not sure, but, um, but, uh, there, there's some wonderful artwork in here in particular, in particular, some really great panel work, uh, with the innovation of the layouts. Um, there's a great full page spread of Alfred fighting, uh, the thugs, um, and the uh, and and so the backlight coloring uh, in the dark. I mean, it's always difficult in Gotham, as dark and murky as it is, to really make colors pop, but not be overpowering. And Otto Otto Schmidt definitely uh, nails that uh, almost perfectly, um, in, including in these scenes where you know there's a lot of explosions and Batman and the drone are fighting against a burning backdrop. Um, so, Stephen, I know uh, I know that you read this issue i wound up uh rating this issue a 9.0 out of 10 um i'm curious as to what your thoughts on it were i would give it the same score <laughs> i really did like this a lot i did like i just like the way tom taylor actually writes batman and alfred it looks it seems like he really knows the cards very well and i just like the story a lot and it was a nice Father's Day story. I wish it did come out on Father's Day, but it was nice to have it come out finally. I mean, eventually. So, um, but I did. I really did enjoy the the aspect of Alfred is the one that influenced Batman to be that. I mean, Bruce Wayne to be the way that he is, and I thought that was an interesting uh, thing. So yeah, I I just I just really like this issue, and I don't know what Batman run the artist drew from, but I did like the art; it wasn't too bad. And um, I thought I also liked the Leslie Tompkins was also there to help Alfred. It seems she has been she knows Batman and and Alfred very well, and that was a cool idea to put them for her in the story. So yeah, I did really like the story a lot. It was pretty good. Very cool, very cool. So second in the rundown is uh, the Batman Who Laughs number one. Um, this was actually the first comic that I read uh, in my stack from last week. And we are talking about the books that shipped uh, the 12th of December, 2018. Uh, so Batman Who Last Summer 1, written by Scott Snyder, art by Jock, colors by David Barron, and letters by Sal Cipriano. Uh, so the situation in this, is, in this is Batman is out and about in the city doing his patrol thing. In the meantime, there's a break-in at Arkham. We, it turns out to be the break-in is actually by the grim Batman, and the Batman Who Last is right behind him, theoretically, to break out the Joker. We'll get back and talk about some of those elements in detail. Uh, in the story uh, of this one, I don't want to say that there's a thing in comics that isn't earned, but but this setup is one of the all-time creative greats, and it practically writes itself. The notion of essentially a Joker who is actually Bruce Wayne from one of the multiverses is a great shtick, um, and and I, you know you can almost give that to anybody, like and 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 have them spin gold out of it. Again, not to take anything away from Scott Snyder as a great storyteller. But it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you're on board with it, like before it even starts, just based on the concept. 
so this is a six issue miniseries, and so uh, it'll take us into the middle of next year or so. Um, we get a lot of classic trappings here to go with the seller setup. We open up with a high speed chase through Gotham, and what I really admire here is the setup uh, into the mystery. Right, it it feels like it's more of a detective comic story. Um, in my mind, although Detective doesn't always feature your most classic villain, villains, that's the one uh, departure, I guess. Um, so Batman is chasing guys who are going around Gotham, like stealing like housing, like prefabricated houses or buildings of some type. Uh, he 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 leaps onto uh, one that they're these crooks are hauling away on a flatbed truck and, and breaks it open um, and finds a coffin inside. And inside the coffin is another Bruce Wayne. Um, he notices that. Uh, that this Bruce Wayne has the uh, has like a farmer's tan around where his wedding ring would be. Um, recognizes that he's married. Uh, thinks that he has kids. Um, he can see smile lines around um, his eyes and his mouth. And here's what I mean by what's great about the opening of this comic to me is that it feels very much like Detective Comics. It's very much about the mystery and about Batman being an investigator. Um, and that's like a really important element that sometimes gets lost um, when people are writing about the supervillain stuff. Um, so uh, uh, then we go on and it's Bruce Wayne in the morgue in disguise. And I thought this was awesome because it's very rarely now that we get, we get Bruce Wayne in disguise, Batman. Now actually so much so that it took me a while to understand what was going on. Like you're in the morgue cause there's no preamble. You're in the morgue. You see the, the the examiner talking, and you're like, "Who is this guy who's working with Bruce and Alfred? Like, wh- where have we seen? Like, I haven't seen this guy before." And it took me a, a few panels to go, "Oh, wait, that's Bruce in disguise, and he looks yeah. nothing like." I mean, it, it's, it's great. It's when when Scott Snyder does this, and he did it a lot during Batman Year Zero. Um, there's nothing that gives away the fact that it's Bruce, right? And I, it's, it's so great uh, in how it's done. Um, uh, yeah. So then uh, we go to Arkham. You, you see, you see a Batman breaking in. You think because of the way they cut from the previous scene to this one, that it's Bruce um, and it is Bruce, but it's Bruce from another um, uh, earth in the multiverse, I guess um, it's, it's the grim Batman. And, and he walks into a room and the Joker's there and, the Joker thinks that Grim Batman is there to kill him, um, but then Grim Batman sets, steps aside, and it's the Batman who laughs behind him. Now, the next thing that happens is that this guy drives um, a battle axe, a pickaxe, basically, into the Joker's brain. Now, it looks to me like he kills the Joker, uh, but um, a couple pages later, when Batman and Alfred are in uh, the Batcave, they, they know that, uh, that these two Batman have broken into Arkham. They know that the Joker has disappeared. Batman figures out that 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 the Joker has actually made it to the Batcave. Um, and he tells uh, he tells Alfred like to seal off the cave, blah, blah, blah. So the, the Joker um, winds up coming to the surface uh, out of the lake or whatever. Um, and, you know, there starts to, there begins this conversation about the two of them working together. But then Joker pulls a gun on the two of them and pulls the trigger. And when he does, the bullet actually fires in reverse and shoots the Joker. Now, Bruce is like, why would you do that? Why would you kill yourself? We were going to work together. There's a scene on the rooftop, on a rooftop in Gotham with the bat signal earlier in the book where Batman conveys to Bruce Gordon 
to, to Commissioner Gordon, not Bruce, sorry, to Commissioner Gordon. Um, actually, it's and it, it, the way he conveys it, it's almost like a nightmare. It's like it's it's it, it's given over as it's something that Bruce knows that he has contrived and made up. It has no proof of it in any way. It's almost an urban myth, the way it's conveyed. Um, but he tells Gordon that he has this theory or nightmare that the Joker would never allow himself to be killed without getting back at Batman somehow. Um, and that he would always insist on haha having the last laugh. And so Batman has come up with this theory that the Joker keeps encapsulated in his heart, um, a, uh, a neurotoxin that, uh, should he ever be killed, um, the neurotoxin will be given off and it will turn whoever is in his immediate vicinity into a Joker. So in the Batcave, when Joker shoots himself, that's exactly what happens to Bruce. And there's this horrific macabre scene where Alfred is like, you know, Bruce is off screen and Alfred's like, what, why, why would he do that? What's going on? He's like, what, wait, what, why are you laughing? <laughs> right. And then you get the camera cut to Bruce and you see him turning into a Joker. Uh, on art, I had some problems with the jock art in this issue. Uh, it starts off really good and really solid. Um, but then in the car chase scene, there's this one panel where, where it, in terms of fight choreography, Batman is in this weird pose where he's just gone flying off the Batmobile, um, kind of like a, like a Conan or something or a John Carter. And then, but then in midair, he like does a tuck with his knees to his chest. And I'm like, I don't know why you would go into that. So it's just a weird physicality thing for me. Um, that seems to not make sense with the action sequences actually going on. Uh, and that was the first thing that I felt like, ah, there's something not right about like the style that's being applied here. Um, and it, then it seems like as the issue goes on, the art gets a little more abstract and a little more impressionist until the time that you get with the Joker, the Joker is clearly not done to represent any accurate representation of human physiology. It's deliberately drawn to look kind of crazy, you know, in, in, in a way that couldn't, that wouldn't actually normally exist in our world. Um, and I was like, I don't, that's a choice. Like, I don't know if it's the one that sits best with me. Um, particularly when we just got done, uh, looking at art in justice league of like a hyper realistic Joker, uh, being drawn. Um, so, uh, then there's a point where the, like the, the proportionality on Batman just looks like ridiculously skinny. So, uh, I, I don't know. I felt, you know, th- there were some points that I just felt were very contrived and maybe we're deliberately trying to be, artsy so to speak um and i would prefer just like maintaining the same style all the way through uh at the end i gave i scored this book a 7.5 um it's a really great setup really great story the other bruce in the coffin was a really nice touch uh there's just a couple of nits that prevent in in my mind the storytelling from tying everything together um in, in meaning that intersection where uh script meets art um and and that keeps this from being a masterpiece in my opinion uh Steven, I know that you read this issue. What did yeah, you score this read book? It. And, and I'd give it a 7.5 as well. Because okay. uh, the art wasn't that great. I agree with that. And I just got annoyed with the whole Joker getting killed again. Because he died in Endgame. Which is okay. like the end of Scott Snyder's run for Batman. Okay. And he brings him back alive at, in Dark Knight Metal. 
Scott Snyder, and then he kills them again in here. And yeah, and and again, we don't know what's going on because we see a Joker get killed, what looks like what appears to be killed, and then we see a Joker reappear like a few panels later. So, and this is she was just in Legion of Doom, and we used a team, and it's like what this happens after that, or so. So herein lies my problem, and it's why (laughs) I won't go on a full blown rant. It's why I don't like the multiverse. To me, the multiverse works when it is encapsulated. It works when you when you go when you do scene, 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 cut, exposition. We are now on Earth thirty three, right? And what follows is five or six pages of stuff that happens on Earth thirty three. Scene, 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 cut, exposition. We are now back on Earth one, right? Like the the, the clear separation of stuff that's going on. Uh, or, or or exposition that says this is this character like this whole like bait and switch thing of like oh well you don't know it's this is this is the Joker from this and this is the Joker from that and this is the bat like yeah. that's not fun or witty to me it's it's very contrived and it's 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 essentially a a remapping of the unreliable narrator narrator right like you you get to a point where you can't trust what's being shown to you because they're constantly like playing I got a secret um, and I don't like it so. Um, at le- at, again, there's there's elements of the story that are done really well, um, but that piece uh, of of stuffing a bunch of multiverse people into the, the same like two dimensional plane like bothers me. Um, so we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, anything and, else? For the- yeah. Go ahead. And if if Joker is dead again, and just don't like that they're using death as a plot device again, I just tired of seeing it done in comic books. <laughs> Right, right, right. So go ahead and talk to us about the Infinity Wars Ghost Panther number two. I shouldn't interrupt you because I didn't actually read this issue myself. Okay. Um, this this um the first issue was with uh, I introduced the story where um there's a a a Martian war that invades the Earth and and. Um, Wakanda, um, T'Challa's father ends up abandoning his T'Challa into um the United States, and he and the uh T'Challa becomes a a motorcyclist, like a like a daredevil kind of thing, and he he ends up getting killed. In, in one of the events, and uh, we also find out during the Martian War that uh, Killmonger, Killmonger, when he was, I think the Martian War happened a long time ago. But yeah, the in the Martian War, uh, uh, Killmonger, when he was a younger child, he was. Um, he, him, and his mother got abandoned from Wakanda as well, and eventually, when Killmonger grows up, he wants revenge on T'Challa's father. So he he ends up going to kill T'Challa's father, and uh, for some reason, they decide to, um, they decide to resurrect T'Challa, and he becomes he becomes like some ghost panther god thing, and. And he goes to fight kill it was kill Raven. That's what he it was it was yeah, it was called Kill Raven. 
It was a combination night a character called Night Raven and Killmonger. And um so yeah, he, he T'Challa goes over there to he goes back to Wakanda and fights off Kill Raven and and he kills him off eventually with um Sh- Shuriri, which is supposed to be like a Shuri and a Riri, Riri, Riri Williams, Einhart mixed together. So they did that, and so yeah, they're both working together. And and there's also another um the ghost pan the panther that he he has this um it ends up being the spirit of his father as the the panther, which I thought was pretty interesting. So so um. So the panther is T'Chaka and um, T'Challa is riding the panther. So they go defeat Killraven. That was pretty much it. And I gave this 8.0 because I thought it was an interesting story. It was very different for me. And it did. I like the like the ways it did blend Ghost Rider and excuse me. Um. I like the way they blend uh, the worlds of Ghost Rider and Black Panther into one thing. Okay, cool, man. Very good to hear. Uh, on to Champions number 27, uh, written by uh, Jim Zob, art by Max Dunbar, uh, with Nolan Woodward on colors and Clayton Cowles on letters. Uh, so this was a drop-in issue for me. I haven't been uh, reading Champions along the way. Um, r- right away. Uh, so uh, this is a uh, this is a tale of the Titans operating in another dimension. Um, I'm sorry, the Titans, uh, the Champions, because uh, of course I would get the Champions confused with Titans um, operating in another dimension. So uh, over here, they've uh, some of them have lost parts of their memory, or it's being repressed, and they've talked taken on alternative personas. Um, uh, of themselves. Uh, so um, you have the standard lineup. So you have uh, Amadeus Cho. Um, you have, it's hard for me because their names in the front of the book uh, are actually given off as different um, than their names. But, um, but you have uh, uh, Riri, Miss Marvel, um, the Vision's daughter, uh, Miles Morales, and a new character they they named uh, snowbird i not snowbird but snow something or other her, her her fantasy world nickname is snow gore um but uh but she is canadian from an inuit tribe which just makes me feel like she's related to snowbird from the old character from alpha flight uh who i think That's was i was thinking too yeah so maybe there's some connection there that they'll revisit at some point uh but uh, the story is 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 the tale of sam alexander who has been whisked away to this alternate dimension to weird world, essentially. Um, and, uh, and one other character was also taken with him. Uh, but uh, Sam, I guess leading into this had uh, lost his powers or lost access or just stopped using uh, his Nova equipment. Um, but he is repowered when he goes to this dimension. Um, and now the powers are innate. They're not part of um necessarily a, a, a set of uh, devices. Uh, he apparently had some ability to um, to siphon and direct energy in this world. I'm not really sure. Uh, uh, the new wasp is in this as well. The, the Russian um, girl who, um, who I think turns out to be the daughter of Janet Van Dyne. 
so uh, this is a conclusion story. There's a big fight um, between all the champions and these uh, forces of evil, essentially on this planet, um, who are trying to enslave the populace, as one would expect. Uh, you know, there's a bit of the Titans fighting, uh, of the champions fighting each other. Uh, this is hard because I read cha- I read Titans number 31 this week also. Probably not the last time that I'll say the champions as I try and get through this. Um, one thing I, I will say, there's a beautiful 16-panel thread, and this is just not something that you see in comics, I, I don't know, uh, ever. Um, but uh, there's a lot of personal challenges in this book, and, uh, you know, as the, the kids try and recover who they are, um, Vision at one point at one point merges uh, with uh, our Viz, um, Viv. I think this is the girl's name. Um, merges with uh, Ironheart's armor, and they become like a completely separate, like new being. Um, because Viv, you know, is able to make the armor like react faster um, and take on new uh, uh, battle configurations. Um, so the short story is they uh, eventually, you know, get Sam Alexander back in his his right mind, um, and they all uh, get out of there, so to speak. Um, uh, Sam, they wind up taking Sam back home to Arizona to reunite him with his mother uh, and sister, um, and he appears to be ready to move on to domesticated life, having given up the mantle of Nova. Uh Probably one of the most shocking things that happens in the story is uh, Viv, who thinks that Riri is attracted to her, uh, goes in for the kiss with Riri and uh, and lays it smack on her lips. Um, doesn't get the reaction she was expecting. Um, and uh, Riri seems taken a bit aback. And then Viv, as one you would expect, is mortified by having done this um, to a person who didn't really... She walks away feeling like uh, didn't really want to be kissed. Um, and then the, the reveal for the next chapter uh, of the champions uh, happens at the end of the book as well. And uh, the dog is bitten by an Ultron spider. Um, and uh, and then there's the appearance that that is going to be their next uh, big challenge. So um, uh, the, the art in this book is uh, pretty sharp. Um, I don't know that anything really particularly like stood out to me, uh, which I guess is good uh, overall. Um, at the end of the day, see, I gave this book uh, a 7.5 uh, out of 10. So, Stephen, did you read this? Or did you have any feedback on it? Yeah, I gave it a 7.5 as well. Um, okay. I wanted to mention that uh, that um, Hope Man Dine is, uh, is actually Hank Fifth's daughter. It's just she is from Russia. It's just that for some reason in the past, um, Hank Fimp met a a Russian woman before he met Janet, um, and got her pregnant, and he, um, she ended up she ended up dying, but he wasn't aware that she was pregnant, so <laughs> he went back with Janet eventually, and. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had read that story a couple of years ago, and I guess I don't yeah. recollect it correctly. And Janet just ended up adopting her, and that's why she has Janet's last name. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So you said you rated it a seven point five, also. Yeah, I did like it. it. Just it felt short to me because uh, it's just I didn't like that the villain got away, and I thought that was kind of. I wish that they did something. They they can at least. I guess defeat the villain and 
I guess put him in prison or something. But it's like it's just weird that he gets away with what he did, and I guess that's the end of the chapter. And <laughs> right, <laughs> everything goes back to normal. I did like I did like um with Sam Alexander dealing with uh that he he's he's he because I noticed his greed of having his powers back was. It was the story, yeah. The moral of that story there, and um, I like that he learned that he doesn't have to that he does have potential without power, without having powers, without being the Nova, and that that, that was an interesting story to put out there. Okay. So, yeah, I really do like this run of champions. I I, I wish Jim Zell was writing it earlier, right. But, and I heard that he's going to relaunch with the same writer and art team. Yeah, he, he, he's got he, Zub himself. Zub himself has commentary in the back of the book that mentions that next month they're rebooting the numbering scheme, but it's actually like no other yeah. change, not the normal changes you would expect uh, with a reboot. Uh, so, uh, why don't we talk about Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider Man? Um, yet another uh, ending chapter on, in a story uh, of sorts. Um, so, uh, once again, that's uh, spectacular Spider-Man number three thirteen. So Steven, uh, we both read it, but you selected this as something you wanted to talk about. So I will give yeah. it over to you. Okay. Um, the Peter Parker's spectacular Spider-Man with 313 is coming off, um, Spider-Geddon and it's, it's, this is going to be the final issue as well. And which I didn't know that it was, so I looked it up and, um, what is it? So yeah, this is this leaves all the chapter where uh Peter Parker gets some darts with some guns and to to uh to take down uh Moreland. and he he why he's gonna why he tries to take him down with with like darts. It really doesn't affect him that much, but the cops came because J. Jonah Jameson had called the cops to take him down. And Peter Parker didn't like that. He was like, uh, J. Jonah, he was like telling J. Jonah Jameson that uh that the cops had to get hurt. I don't know why you want the cops here. This is too much danger for them that we handle this. And Peter Parker ends up do taking down Morland eventually, and uh he tells the 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 cops to put to put him in a it's like some I know they put him in like in a like some prison thing in the car and um he told him to take him to the Avengers and they all know what to do with him so I don't know but uh I gave this a 7.5 because I don't know I didn't like the idea of oh just take him to the Avengers and he, that Oh, they won't know what to do with with Moreland. It's just, and it just seemed weird that he was trying to take him down with darts, knowing that the darts weren't really weakening him that much. I just, yeah, I, I actually like the concept of him. So, so to me, there are a lot of things that happen in this book that are, um, that are almost deconstructionist to to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, that, that while currently being a return to the old. Um, I actually thought the Avengers statement, which I felt was like was deconstructionist, um, but really poignant and very neat to go. 
You're absolutely right. Like after, like after Parker has done everything that he's done to put Moreland down, it's like, why would I be bothered to carry my own garbage right to the police? And I'm like, like, look, call the Avengers. Like they, they, they have a, they have a floating orbital space station headquarters. Um, they're the Earth's mightiest heroes. This is a New York problem. This is not a Spider-Man problem. Um, because I think very much, you know, like, like part of the kitsch of like Spider-Man is like everything that's his is his problem. And I'm like, no, there's like several hundred other superheroes in the city of New York, right? Like, yeah. Why, why not give that particular logistics problem over to the people who can actually handle it? And so I can go back to my one bedroom apartment and take a nap. Um, I thought that was like, I, I love that bit of writing there. Um um, I just don't like that Morning's gonna be in prison again and he's gonna escape like he did before in the last Spider-Verse event and just wreak havoc. It's just <laughs> well, of course, of course, now we're, we're poised to be very interested to see what happens in Spider-Man number five, right? Because the whole point this time around is there's been this three way tension. Um, and maybe maybe Parker's about to become a fourth vertice of this. of of the what do we do about these guys, right? You have the the Norman Osborns who are determined to uh, kill them, um, uh, and, you know, as well as Otto Octavius um, and Miles leading his faction, determined not to. Uh, and then that's another thing we see at the end of this. You know, Parker's about to lay down and go to sleep, uh, and at the last minute, Spider Gwen walks through a portal oh, yeah, and says, uh, "And says that hey, we need you." Um, which is interesting because I thought that the whole setup was that we weren't going to see Parker centrally involved in Spider-Geddon, that that was going to be Miles's thing entirely um, while uh, Parker, uh, you know, dealt with, um, dealt with Moreland. Um, so I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty interesting. I scored the book an 8.0 um, out of 10 uh, for me. Um, the, the other thing that, that attracted me to it and maybe scored that high was um, there was a return to old in terms of this is because normally what happens is Parker is in such fear for his life when he no has encountered Moreland the last two times that like there's no quippy Spider-Man, right? This is not Peter Parker cracking jokes, right? This is Peter Parker literally like in the fight of his life. Um, and it was very nice to see here at the end him get that confidence back uh, and they write him doing the quips because now I, I realize the, the quips, sometimes the quips are meant to help him focus on the fact that he's really in mortal danger. Um, I, I felt like they were being used uh, here. Uh, there's, there's so much brashness and bravado about them that I almost feel um, uh, it, it's hard to tell if he actually feels that way or if he's masking, um, you know, fear again. Uh, but, uh, but overall, I thought it was a pretty um, good issue. Uh, I, do, it's, I do like what, the way Peter Parker is written in this, in this yeah. issue. Yeah, just after we've had months of like Peter Parker being separated from Spider-Man and like all this kind of stuff, that just, which has changed the kind of voice, as you mentioned, he's been written in. Um, so, yeah, I, I like well, the, one of the things, key things that attracted me um, uh, to this issue is that, that feeling that it's a return to old. Um, of, of Peter Parker. Uh, so why don't you take us out with the last thing with uh, X-Men Red number 11. Oh, I noticed I keep forgetting to mention the creative teams, but oh well. <laughs> I'll just move on from it, I guess. Uh, X-Men Red number 11 is 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 written by Tom Taylor. I don't... 
I think I do have the artist in mind. But uh yeah, the artist is um oh god. Uh, oh, it's Ra- Raj at Ad- Ad- Antonio. But yeah. With um this one is um is this is this another final issue of the X-Men Red series and it's it's finishing a chapter where um Cassandra Nova has made like a a machine that supposedly is supposed to amplify her mind control powers to control all the um civilians to attack all the mutants and put their hate towards them and um Jean Grey decides to uh tell all the X-Men to wear um the the Magneto helmet so they cannot be mind controlled by Cassandra Nova and they go after her and they do eventually take her down and uh while they was taking down the the machines that was amplifying her powers um they decided to have Gambit use his powers to charge the um the machine and blow up because the thing is the machine has like if you blow it up it's supposed to it's supposed to put nuclear like atom i guess fumes into the world and everybody being affected by nuclear i guess atmosphere so so the only way to rectify that was with um gambit using his powers and I guess supposed to change the nuclear fumes, which doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, uh they end up taking down Jean Grey and not Jean Grey, um Cassandra Nova. And they took um Jean Grey takes her down by putting empathy into her brain. And she feels bad for what she did. And she she gets I guess she goes to prison and Jean Grey does a, a big speech on how mutants shouldn't be hated. They're just the same as humans. We're all equal in one way or another. And at the end. And I don't know. I just I will give I it ends the chapter there. But um I decided to give this book like a a five because the art was really messy and it just really disappointed me. The way they ended the chapter, um, because it just did like a take the bad guy down type of story, like a a villain of the week type of story. To me, it didn't, it didn't even finish the chapter where Jean Grey is supposed to make this new place where humans and mutants are supposed to live. I don't know what happened to that story. It just they just left it out in this story and and never even mention it. It's just. I don't know. And it just seems weird that like Gambit using his abilities to change the the, the nuclear fumes that's going to happen with these machines. I don't know if that's how his powers actually work. But and the whole Jean Grey giving uh, Cassandra Nova empathy. I don't know. That, I don't think that's how Jean Grey's powers work either. It's just everything seems forced just to get the chat, just to get the book done. It's just to me, I don't like how they did all that. And I was liking the series in the beginning, but it kind of fell short here, I guess. 
I don't know how it got canceled quickly, but I guess it wasn't selling well. But I was enjoying it when when it was coming out. But I didn't enjoy the how they ended the chapter. So that's about it. All right, and how how about X Men Red number eleven? That's what I just did. Okay. Yep, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'm off. Um, so, uh, so, um, so that concludes the review segment uh, for this week. Uh, Stephen, what was the best thing you read last week? Oh, the best thing I read was Just League Dark numbers. Was Just League Dark number six? It was. Uh, it's written by James Talion the fourth, and the art is. Um, is Daniel Sampier? So yeah, this story is is um is coming off the last issue where uh where uh the Justly Dark ends up in this world where it's called Myra. It's like some alternate world where it's the world is ruled by magic, and there's a different science in that world. And um, apparently, uh, there's some history there with Detective Chimp um, that Blue Te- Blue Devil ends up telling the team about that he, uh, when he was when when Nightmaster had died, he ended up um, he ended up uh, giving the sword to him. To night, um, to Detective Champions at the mantle, but he felt like a failure, and he never lived up to anybody in this in the world of of Mira, and and he, nobody didn't believe in him. He was always failing as being a, a hero of that place, and and he started to get into drinking habits, and he decided to try to resurrect Nightmaster because he felt like he was not worthy. And after that, um what is it? He uh he caused he didn't get to resurrect uh Nightmaster. He what he did was uh made zombies invade the whole entire world, the mirror place. And they are fighting off this the zombie war that that's what the people are doing. And he abandoned the place. He never came back. And that's the just sleep dark is fighting off of. And Blue Devil had put the Tetra Chip in prison because he said he's the one that caused all this. So they're trying to undo all this zombie stuff. And Wonder Woman talks to Detective Chimp and she ends up talking to him to help uh to help stop the zombie war that's going on and undo what he did and i i it was a nice talk with the with um in a way to forgive what detective chip did and he ends up reading the book it was like a magic book to undo the the thing that he did and he undoes the zombie war everybody and so all the zombies go away and everything turns back to normal. And that was it. So just the dark ends up going on to do their 
the other work. And there's also a, a fighting scene with uh, Dr. Fate fighting Phantom Stranger. And Const- Constantine Swamp Thing are also there. Because Dr. Fate wants to get rid of all magic. He doesn't like that humans are abusing magic. So he ends up killing, he ends up putting uh, Phantom Stranger inside his helmet, and he ends up putting Constantine inside his helmet. So Swamp Thing runs to the Justice League Dark and says, at the end, by the end of the issue, that they need, we need to go fight Dr. Fate because he's going out of control and he already captured Constantine and Phantom Stranger. So I did like this, this issue because, uh, I gave it a, uh, uh, 9.0 because uh, I did like the way that Wonder Woman was able to <clears throat> talk to the detective chimp and make him realize that he did a bad thing and he's able to um, he's, able, he's able to make up for his sins. He's able to do undo what he had did before and it's okay. It's just kind of weird that Wonder Woman knows he has a drinking problem problem, but yet she gives him alcohol to make him feel better. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of weird that she gave him alcohol, but he went to go drink it. But, but yeah, he went to go do his thing, which I did appreciate. And the only thing I did not like is that Blue Devil still treated to touch chip like crap even if he even though he did undo the the zombie magic it's just he didn't he doesn't want to forgive him for trying to resurrect uh nightmaster but it seemed like the chip learned from that and he doesn't want to he's thinks that he can actually do the night um hold on to nightmaster sword but blue devil tells him Oh, you get. You should give this to your to uh, Nightmaster's son because he's more worthy of the sword than you are. So I'm like, wow, what kind of so much for confidence? But yeah, <laughs> I just, I just thought it was a great story about Detective Chimp and um, and I thought that it was interesting how Doctor Fate is is going havoc. Fighting that um, fancy stranger and and Constantine, I just don't know what. He, um, I just thought that was interesting that he actually put them inside his helmet. I don't know what does that do, but I'm wanting to find out in the next issue. So yeah, I did like this for very well. Okay, very cool. And my uh, pick for the le- for the best thing that I read last week was Batman Annual Number Three, which we talked about uh, in excruciating detail. So we don't need to go back over that. Uh, in our honorable reviews segment, where we run down the list of comics that uh, that uh, shied, uh, that fell just a bit short um, of being the best read uh, for me last week, um, but they were still all up there. Uh, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 313, I rated an 8.0. Titans, number 31, I rated an 8.5. The Empty Man, number 2, which is a a great opportunity to get um, Colin Bunn back on a horror comic. Uh, And it reads just as great as Harold Towney and some of the other things that he's done before. So I, uh, for one, uh, came away a huge fan. Uh, Again, The Empty Man, number 2, which um, I don't know why I didn't write it down. On here, I don't remember. Is that uh, 
Boom. I think that's Boom. Um, I don't know. I never read that series. Yeah. <laughs> or heard uh, it. And then the last thing I picked from honorable mentions was Miles Morales, Spider-Man number one, which is a reboot of the series. Um, and uh, while, while, while you run down yours, I'm going to go pull the creative name, team's name uh, for, cause I forget who it was, but I read that com- I rated that comic an 8.5. Uh, yeah, I know the writer, the writer was saw the thing. I, I, I don't know how to say it. It's just right. Who's also, Eastern. Who's uh, uh well, it's, and it's nice. I, I've seen him coming up through the ranks, and uh, it's nice to see him getting on some more prominent. Yeah, he's a very um, good writer. I like his Black Bolts. I like his uh, <clears throat> um, Exiles, and he's gonna write Miss Marvel. I heard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I haven't been. I haven't been able to tell. Torch finally. <laughs> Well, and I haven't been able to see determine if is that is that the retitling of the core book, um, or is that uh, starting a second book for Are her? they relaunching it because I don't know. I they decided to relaunch it with a new creative team. Right, right. Um, so yeah, what are, and why don't you tell me tell us what your honorable mentions were for last week, Stephen? Oh, okay. Um, I I didn't. I just. I really. Did want to talk about these, but I want to talk about the others because they had final issues. So I don't want to get my thoughts on that. So I decided to put these on the honorable mentions. Uh, Detective Comics number nine hundred ninety four was an 8.0. It's very good. Um, new creative team for Detective Comics with Peter J. Tomasi. I really did like it. Um, there's Flash number sixty. Which mentions a new hero called Fuenza with the strength force. I thought she was an interesting hero. There's um, Sideways Eleven number eight point. Yeah, number eleven. I gave it an eight point because gave a nice revelation to uh, Sideways Mother that I didn't know about. Uh, there's Star Wars Doctor Offer number twenty seven. I gave it an eight point as well. I. I just, it just, um, I didn't get to talk about this because, uh, it, it just gave the same story as the last issue. It just, you just meet new characters that they run into and they're still trying to defuse the bomb, which didn't, it didn't do much for me. Uh, but I still liked it. Spider Girls number three, it gave it a 7.5. I did like this miniseries. It's just, they just moved the plot forward. The Spider Girls just, Find the scroll, the the scroll, magic scrolls that he needed for the inheritors, and just go back to Earth. And I thought it was a nice relationship that the Spider Girls have with each other, especially with the two Parkers, like Annie, uh, May Parker, Annie May Parker. They had a nice relationship. I like that. And um, Infinity War, Sleepwalker number four, gave it a seven point five because just. I did like finding out about Sleepwalker. It was interesting. I never knew about the character. And it's just him finding his human identity in the in the new Infinity War world. And that's about it. Okay. Uh, and then for next week's polls, we're coming down here to the end of the show. Um... Uh, I am up first, so I will run down the rather exhaustive list 
uh, next week, just by happenstance, um, is is uh, I probably only do a couple of these weeks now throughout the year. Um, uh, I uh, so at any rate, um, yeah, only a couple times a year do I have this many books uh, that I'm uh, going to wind up reading. Um, I'm I'm at my yeah. max capacity uh, next week um, uh, uh, with with twelve books total. Uh, so I'll be reading uh, Batman number 61, uh, Justice League number 14, uh, which I think starts the Hawkman um, or Hawkgirl line. Um, yeah, that's what I, I read about, too. Uh, Punisher number five, Spider-Geddon number five. So we will round out this war between the spiders and the inheritors and see where we leave it off this time. Uh, Black Badge number five by Boom Comics. Klaus and the Crying Snowman, number one, also by Boom. Uh, Star Wars, Darth Vader, number 25. Uncanny X-Men, number six. Catwoman, number six. Harley Quinn, number 56. I'm going to be reading a lot about a lot of the women of DC um, next next this week. Uh, Betty and Veronica, number one, from by Archie Comics. And Soulfire, volume seven, number six, by Aspen Comics, uh, will be what I am reading next week. Steven, what are you going to be checking out, man? I'm going to be checking out um, Aquaman number 43, Champions A number one, uh, Cover number four, Deadman Logan number two, Down number nine, Exiles number 11, The Life of Captain Marvel number five, Old Man Hawkeye number 12, Outcast number 37, Pearl number five, Runaways number 16. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 89, Extermination number 5, and Infinity Wars uh, Fallen Guardian number 1. And I'm also going to be picking up Spider Geddon number 5, Darth Vader, Star Wars Darth Vader number 25, Catwoman, and Catwoman number 6. That's, that's it. Uh, and then. Um... And then things that I'm going to add to my list from Stevens polls is uh, I will also read cover number four and uh, I just had it and outcast number 37. Yeah, I'm glad it's back. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. Right. Uh, Well, thanks so much for joining in with us tonight. I apologize if if I got a little punchy. Um, uh, which still trying to nail down how to get this uh, done earlier in the night. Um, and uh, so maybe we're not so, I, at least I'm not so foggy and start saying gibberish on the microphone. So uh, thanks so much for joining in with us this week. We will be back next week to talk about the series of comic comics that we left you off with uh, in terms of our pull list for next week. I think we're going to, we're going to have a pool of 24 books to talk about, even though we won't buy any means talk about 24 comics next week. So, uh, Thanks very much for listening in for us on us tonight. Uh, once again, my name has been Agastically Stamus with my co-host Stephen Laura. This has been episode number eleven of What's Your Issue. That's going to do it for us, and we are out of here. <laughs>